Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to part one of a two-part series on mobile search. Mobile search volume is growing exponentially. In 2009, there were around 1 billion monthly searches being made from mobile devices. Today, that number is more than doubled to 2.3 billion, and analysts predict there will be nearly 3.5 billion mobile searches per month by 2012. Now, already 80% of mobile searchers research their purchasing decisions within a 10 to 20 mile radius of their location. And if you think the future of the mobile web is all about apps, think again. The number one access method for local information is the mobile web browser with nearly 21 million users per month. But with the use of maps and apps on the rise for mobile search and the growing importance of mobile as a channel, where will tomorrow's mobile search war be fought? Who will the winners be? And where are the opportunities for disruption? In this episode, we'll talk mobile search strategy and implementation with Rich Devine of Zaz, a design optimization and analytics agency acquired by WPP in 2006. His presentation at South by Southwest was one of the more thoughtful sessions I attended. Rich, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Eric. It's uh, great to be with you. Now, now tell me first, just to sort of set the stage here, how is mobile search different? When you're on a, a stationary device, whether it's your laptop or, or a PC or even an iPad, um, the results that you're going to see are more than likely going to be different than when you're searching that same query on a mobile device. The, one of the other, the, there's other considerations in terms of uh, a device actually being able to understand not just proximity but actual locale. So a, uh, on your stationary device, uh, Google can see generally where you are based on your IP. But from a mobile device, Google knows where you are based on your geolocation uh, because of the, the, the GPS function of the device. Is a site optimized for search also optimized for mobile search? No, and that, that, that was one of the key uh, points I wanted to make in the presentation that, that you saw, Eric, um, is just not to make the assumption that if you've gone through, and this is true whether for paid search uh, and especially for SEO, is if you think, if, if you really do have a, a well-optimized site, for, uh, again, a stationary device or your general web browser. Uh, that's not necessarily true for, for your mobile site experience. Um, and so a lot, of, a lot of sites and businesses recognize that uh, from a user experience perspective, uh, they need to uh, address, um, address mobile differently. And so they'll have uh, a mobile site uh, developed the the challenge and the reason why um, you know that that blanket statement that if your if your site is opti optimized it may not be optimized for mobile the reason why that's so poignant is that there's only one 
index for a search engine. So for Google, there, there's only one kind of, uh, you know, virtual storage bank for, for site data that they draw upon to deliver your search results. There isn't an index for mobile and an index for, for your regular uh, web queries. And the reason that's important is that um, you're probably going to want them to index and crawl your main site content. Okay, and so what happens is if if you've got someone that is maybe familiar with their brand and, and say perhaps they've they've already performed some queries relevant to your site, um, you know, on a stationary device, and then they they maybe get closer to a purchase decision or to some type of conversion event, they search you again on a mobile device. The the content that they may see. The results uh, in, in Google are, are more than likely going to be drawing upon your site content that was indexed by Google. But when they click on that result, they may see your mobile site or, or whatever mobile content you've directed them to. And there's, there's often a uh, kind of a, a missing link there. They, they don't get what they expect to see, if that makes sense. So if you have a mobile version of your site, is that optimized for mobile search? Um, not necessarily. Uh, the the experience maybe, um, but uh, again, the, the the key here for optimizing in terms of site design is all about an understanding of content. So, uh, thinking about it from a search uh, perspective, you you have to think about again what what is visible to Google, and more than likely, you can actually affect that. Let me back up a minute. Google's going to see that Google's not sophisticated enough to know that, hey, you've got a mobile site and in a regular site, I'm going to defer to your regular site. They just, they're not, they don't care enough to, to be that kind to you. So first things first, you've, you've got to be able to tell Google which content uh, you, you want them to prioritize. Uh, and, there, and there's ways to do that um, through kind of basic server-side protocol to tell Google that, hey, I, I want you to look at my regular site content first. And, and then you've got to think about, okay, if, if someone is on a, again, on, say, a Safari browser on their iPhone and they've performed a query and the search result um, is, is displaying your regular site content, you need to then kind of predict and understand, okay, what pieces of content are mapped to my mobile site. And so what we often find is that there's, there's rarely a one-to-one -one relationship between the content that exists on your regular site and the content that exists on your, on your mobile site. And so there's, th that's really the key to mobile search optimization is it, we're not saying that you have to have a one-to-one -one relationship because it, it, from a user experience perspective, it, it makes sense to kind of limit the content on your mobile site to that which makes sense for mobile experience. But you have to recognize the value of search and then do a couple of things. A, if you don't have that content on your mobile site, make sure that it is accessible when a search engine comes calling or a searcher comes calling. And so what, what 
we've done with with clients and with businesses is we've helped them build essentially a, a content map that we issue and it kind of serve to the search engines so that they know that hey this this page here isn't a, a, you know available on my mobile site and so instead of redirecting them to the home page of my mobile site which is a very poor uh, kind of user experience I'm going to actually redirect them to the standard version of that piece of content uh, and that's that's kind of the 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 thinking that we find uh, is is very rare right now, um, and there, there's a little bit of effort uh, to kind of make that that type of dynamic happen. But it's well worth it when you look at the value of search um, for, for any business or brand. So, in the business of search engine optimization for you know, regular websites, um, you know, conventional wisdom is. Uh, people start with broader keywords early uh, stage when they're just sort of coming into the funnel. And then when they get more educated, they start to search brands. And um, you showed a graph that talked about this sort of new search paradigm where um, the type of device they were using to issue the query would actually dictate at what stage in the funnel they entered. And um, I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about that and maybe distinguish local search from hyperlocal search. Sure, sure. So, yeah, that's uh, again, that's kind of one of one of the paradigms that you know has has been around a while for for nerdy search engine marketers like myself. Um, and one of the the nerdy terms that we use is we talk about the head and the tail. So, at the head, we have types of keywords that are very general and, and maybe shorter in length, um, like you know, ping pong. And then as you move down the tail, you have more specific um, terms like ping pong ball or red ping pong ball or, you know, uh, championship ping pong uh, ball table, um, really kind of uh, broader um, and, and less search terms. But they're, they're very valuable because the, the further you dive into the tail, the closer you are to... Um, some type of conversion event. So as we map a traditional marketing funnel, where at the head of the funnel you have awareness, and then you move down to consideration, and then you move down to preference, and then conversion, and then you kind of open the funnel back up with loyalty. Um, it, you know, one of the kind of common tools for a search marketer is to map uh, general keywords or keywords at the head at the top of that funnel. And, and so what you'll find is those keywords, much like users in the awareness phase, are, are much more higher volume. There's just more queries to go around. Um, and then again, we kind of dive down the tail as we move along the funnel. Now that's a, a, a fairly standard and uh, it's still effective paradigm, but with the advent of, of mobile usage and mobile search um, usage, we we're trying to re, you know introduce a new paradigm and and what that looks like is you you have to add some layers of consideration and so one of those layers in addition to um, kind of your 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 keywords whether they're head or tail is device understanding so at the if you kind of you know look look on top add a layer to to keywords and you say well 
for for this product or for my brand or for my service, um, you know, wh- where what type of device um, are are head queries being performed on? And so, what we'll generally find, and this is generally true, not necessarily specifically true, is that um, kind of head or awareness and consideration types of queries tend to exist on stationary devices like your laptop or like a a PC or a Mac. Um, And then as you move further along the funnel, um, you kind of narrow down and and you may have tablet devices. And then generally at the end of the funnel, much closer to conversion, uh, there's there's more search uh, activity on a mobile device for for those types of you know, consideration and, and conversion terms than there is um, for, for those awareness uh, terms at, at, at the head. Um, so that's, that's how we have to look at kind of, you know, how, how we uh, make use of devices and, and optimizing for those devices. And then for your kind of second part of your question is, is uh, local and hyperlocal. And so, the the concept of local it really it it it, it exists to some extent on uh, on desktop or or stationary devices but again only only with respect to proximity okay uh, again uh, Google can understand your IP location and so it's a kind of a broader radius they they know the general area where you exist and that's great. So proximity kind of exists at the head on, on that, uh, on that uh, kind of conversion funnel. But with a mobile device, now you're actually talking about locale. And so locale is addressed through a mobile device, and that's why optimizing for location or locale um, is further down in the funnel. Um, and so I, I, what that means is, you know, if I'm, if I'm selling shoes in a in a and I want to target a certain geography um, I can do that for proximity on a stationary device but if I want to if I really want to address a neighborhood or somebody that's really you know that maybe near near my uh, bricks and mortar location um, then I've got to think about location and that's served best by a mobile device and then we start talking about hyperlocal and uh and hyperlocal is is really has nothing to do with the search engine experience specifically um until after that hyperlocation kind of behavior um happens and so hyper hyperlocal hyperlocal is uh it's it's better expressed in terms of examples than it is by a true definition. But think about reviews that happen on an app like Yelp or augmented reality where you're, you know, you're using your camera on your iPhone and it's supplemented with an overlay of, of businesses through Yelp monocle. Um, or you're, you're actually, you've just, you know, bought a Euro at Bob's Euro shop in Santa Monica and you think it's a great euro, and so you open up um, your favorite app, uh, say Foursquare, 
or, and you check in. You know, Foursquare is a great example of hyperlocal. Or you open uh, TripAdvisor because you're on a vacation in Santa Monica and you, you want to kind of review that, uh, uh, that Euro shop and you submit a review and you can do that. Uh, again, it, that activity is not really happening on search engines, but that hyperlocal activity is actually really important for search. And here's why. This kind of uh, conversation that we've ha been having where you, you look at it in terms of a, a funnel experience broadly and then narrowing down to conversion, hyperlocal activity happens at the point of, of conversion, whatever that conversion event may, may be. But then it also um, fosters some, some, some type of loyalty and even sharing for other people. And that's what Google really, really is starting to care about. So it used to be when we would do search engine optimization that we would think about a site's architecture and about keyword optimization and about links. And we still do, but now we have to start thinking about uh, kind of social value for my brand or my product or my service. And social value and social assets, those are just as important, if not more important than just raw raw links to your um, your likelihood of, of ranking well in search engines. And that's why hyperlocal is of, of critical importance because hyperlocal assets that are generated through sharing or through whatever that hyperlocal behavior is, that is observed by Google and then affects your search rankings. And so it's, it's kind of this cycle that we build that... Um, that uh, kind of feeds itself. So, so what you're saying is um, in mobile search strategy, social is basically, you know, likes are basically replacing links. Uh, I would, I would say supplementing links. Links are still valuable. Um, but, uh, but it, yeah, it's, 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 it's supplementing existing links. You can't, I guess, I guess the better way to answer that question is you can't live on, Link, links alone. You've, you've got you've to think about social and, and additional links. And really, that's all that social is. It's just different types of links. Based on your experience for mobile browser-based search, what factors determine rank in what order? Like, do you have any feel for what's most important with respect to determining rank there? Um, no, not really. I, you know, I think that's a secret sauce that uh, you know, we'd love to to all have, and really, that it's not that that's um, a difficult question, as if as much as that's um, there, there's no one answer. That the answer to that question is is different for every search query. It's different for every business and brand. And what we do know is that search engine algorithms have changed such that um, social is more important than it's ever been. Um, let's specifically think about Google's recent kind of tweak um, where commonly called their, their Panda release uh, where they were really trying to crack down on content farms. Okay. These are essentially spammers or arbitragers who are um, providing not really high quality content, but really keyword optimized content and they would arbitrage those pages 
to make money off of their own advertising. But it wasn't a great uh, experience. So Google tweaked it. Uh, they penalized, and, and those what, what's deemed as a, a content farm is now pulled or, or dropped down in, in the rankings. At the end of the day, instead of kind of figuring out what that algorithm looks like, what the properties of Google's algorithm are, I, I would advise, let's just think about what Google's really trying to do. All they care about is quality content. So the first rule, um, is, I think it's even more true now than it has been, is just to think about quality content and volume of content. So if you can add more pages um, that are of higher quality, that of itself is going to uh, is going to get you further than it really trying to be smart and clever and crafty about the, the kind of properties of how Google weights um, uh, ranking factors. Um, now on Yelp, users can filter the results by proximity, number of reviews, but also by hours of operation. Do you think that criteria is going to stay constant or do you think we'll see more filter options unfold? No, I think, I think you'll see, I, I think you'll see more filter options um, being made available. It, it, the, the challenge there is, um, and really this is almost an analytics question as a, as a business, you need to understand two things. What, and this actually goes back to the question of looking at search, looking at this as search marketing and not search engine marketing. And Yelp's a great example for me. For for many businesses, Yelp should be looked at as its own search engine, right? And so your your example of filter options is is really poignant because those become kind of the ranking factors if you look at Yelp as a search engine. But what you need to be aware of is what those filters are, and then really, more importantly, um, what filters are are important to, to your uh, to your customers. Um, so yeah, I think the answer is yes. They're going to introduce more filtering layers, um, but depending on your business, just focus on the ones that you think are important for your customers. Don't don't spend too much time on providing kind of filter optimization if it's not really critical to your business or, or relatable to your business. Mobile search optimization strategies for your home office, leveraging Google Places and Ford's mobile search strategy when we return. Stay with us. This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. Packed with business-to-business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. That's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. It walks business people step-by-step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders. Or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle.
Now, we live in an age where a lot of people telecommute. They're on the road, and they call the closest Starbucks their their office. So, uh, and, and in B2B, a lot of uh, work that used to be done locally has been out offshore to China or India or Brazil. And there are also plenty of home-based businesses where the proprietor maybe wants to maintain some privacy with respect to their location. So how can those types of businesses play in the mobile search game? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so the, I guess let's set some context first and and let's just kind of make a blanket, a blanket statement that, that search is local, um, like it or not, whether you have products that um, – are kind of segmented and, and available in local markets or not, um, Google doesn't care. Uh, um, you, you've really got to try hard to tell Google not to provide results that are local-based or, or driven locally. Now, not all search results will change based on, on your on proximity or location, but many times they, they will. And so um, if for businesses that really want to be clever, um, again, whether you have you know location-based products and services or not, recognize that local is there and use it. And so, Google Places, um, Eric, that's a that's a great example, um, especially for Google. Google is going to feature Google Places more prominently than they do other uh, local search um, results and providers. So that's kind of a, a first option is. Uh, taking a look at your business and saying, okay, how can I justify and how can I present and offer services for, um, you know, for kind of geographic segmentation? So let, let me offer a couple of examples. Ford's a good example. Ford can legitimately do this because uh, auto dealers, they, they break their business and they kind of three strategic segments. They, they talk about tier one, which is their brand, which is speaking you know, at a global or at a national level. And so Ford.com would be a, a tier one strategy. Tier two is more regional based, where you're, where you're thinking about you know, the, the Midwest or the West Coast or you know, the Northeast. And, and how can we how can we kind of strategize based on those broad geographical segments? And then tier three for, for, for an auto company is at the dealer level. All right. And so local search uh, is really, really important because at the end of the day, if you're buying a car, you have to go through a dealer. Um, and um, auto manufacturers in, in the digital space still kind of, find some breakage between that customer journey from their main site, so Ford.com or, or, or a tier two asset, which is, you know, some kind of regional site asset, and then the, the, the dealer experience. Either that dealer is just not findable or there's inconsistency with brand and messaging. So local, as far as uh, search is concerned, is something that when we were working with Ford, we thought was really important that they just had not taken advantage of. And so it was very simple. We said, look, Google Places is, is now prioritized in, your, in, uh, in, in search results. So let, let's take advantage of that for your kind of tier three strategy and your local dealers. Let's, let's, uh, let's make that available. So we, 
we, we basically had Ford tell their dealers, hey, figure this out. Um, you know, get, get, get in the game and start optimizing for local search, and here's how to do it. And so it wasn't just about Google Places. We've, there's, there's ways that you can optimize for Google Places as well as all of the literally dozens, if not hundreds, of other kind of classified and local search directories and we basically mapped out that process and, and, you know, wrote kind of a best practices guide. And we dispersed for, for all of the kind of hundreds of local dealerships that, uh, that Ford owns. And it was a massive fail. They almost, you know, either they thought that they were already doing it or they just didn't care. And it, it just wasn't worth their time. So we said, okay, back to the drawing board. Let's, let's find a, kind of a champion at, at Ford to basically tell them that this isn't an option. You have to do this. So we did the same thing. We kind of wrote a letter, said, hey, you have to do this. Again, massive fail. Um, so at that point, we said, all right, well, let's let's just take this out of their hands. And we basically kind of wrote a, a feed with all of the, the local dealer kind of units, their URLs, um, and, and their information, address, phone numbers, uh, and we just kind of built a long spreadsheet and, and feed. And we, we went to our Google rep who was helping us with paid search. And we said, hey, we know that this isn't a you know, standard service for you, but can you just help, help us load, load this in on behalf of all our dealerships? And they said, yeah, sure, we'll do it. Um, and bam, it was done. And, and that, that effort alone in, in terms of kind of uh, SEO value to the business um, you know, it's hard to measure that. Um, it was it was more than uh, you're probably looking a hundred times the 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 time and expense it took for our people to do that uh, against the value that was delivered by by getting those local businesses in search in search results. In the old days, people used to rent a PO box in a high rent district like Beverly Hills so they could have a fancy address on their business card. Is there an equivalent uh, strategy for appearing in mobile search results? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, that's actually done now. Uh, you'll find, uh, depending on the query, you'll find, you know, leg- they have to be legitimate addresses, and you'll find people still running P.O. boxes so that they can be visible in, in, in the Maps app which is really the same, that's the same as Google Places. The, the data you find in your Maps app on your iPhone is the same that you're going to find in Google Places. So, uh, you know, that, that kind of good old-fashioned strategy still works. I, um, I find that that's, that's nice, you know, if, if, if that's really important to you. Um, at the end of the day, I kind of go back to that mantra I, I spoke of a few minutes ago, or in your uh, in your earlier segment where we talked about quality content, and so I would be more um, more interested in finding a way to legitimize my my Google Places result with an authentic address, um, so that you can be consistent with a kind of a positive customer experience. Customers aren't stupid. If if you've kind of goosed the system and fooled them. Um, It'll, it'll bite you in the butt, and and you'll either get a poor ranking or they just won't you know visit or, or, or buy from you. you just you, local is important 
or excuse me, customer service is as important to local and local search as anything else because uh, the customer has a voice and that feeds hyper-local assets, which then feed uh, your rank success in search engine results. Um, and so I'll give you an example. Um, we're working with some airline clients and you know we've been kind of preaching the wisdom of local and we say, look, you guys are a local business because you have to address customers in a specific place with a, a product that is different depending on where you are. So if, you're, if you are Alaska Airlines um, and you're addressing customers in Portland, your, your product is completely different than addressing customers in Alaska because you're, you're talking about very different routes and destinations. Um, and so we said, look, local for you, um, you can kind of boost your visibility and search rankings by taking advantage of, uh, advantage of Google Places and, and other local directories. And they said, well, how? We've got our corporate offices in Seattle. What else do we have? And so any, any place that you've got a, 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 an airport where you fly into is a legitimate business. So they're now looking at uh, kind of optimizing phone numbers. Optim, you know, featuring their 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 addresses at, at those uh, airport locations and pumping those into um, local search directories. Uh, now, again, uh, they're able to do that. I, I would I would focus more on ways to legitimize your use of local search directories than goosing the system. Um, again, because the the customer has a voice, and that that may bite you if you, if you're not careful. Just a note, um, if you want to get listed on Google Places and you don't want to list your address, there's actually an option that you can check, which will just show the city and the zip code, and then they'll send the postcard to the address that's on file. It'll have a code. You put it in there, and then you'll be on, on Google Maps. But let me ask you something, Rich. Is Google Places enough, or are Bing Local and Yahoo Local also important? Yeah, I think I, I think uh, being local is important. Yahoo is important. There's there's you know many directories beyond that. City search is important. What what you'll find is that they're all kind of related to each other. They all syndicate results um, and kind of the more uh, shot the, the broader shotgun spread you can you can get the better. Uh, and what we found <clears throat> is that if you can take advantage of syndication, that actually benefits you just in terms of all the time that it takes to submit, uh, to submit your business to these local, um, these local providers. So one, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the providers that, that I, uh, that I prefer, I think is, is really useful is local ease, L O C A L E Z E. Um, they have great syndication to many of those, uh, to many of those, um, kind of, directories and and local listings and you'll find that a lot of uh, a lot of those providers will syndicate to each other um, but yeah if I were to prioritize certainly Google places would be top of my list um, and then I would uh, followed shortly by Bing and Yahoo um, and then again at, at that point I would think about your business um, you know if you're if you're in uh, you know if, again foods always a great example for local uh, you think about Yelp, you know, 
that's just as priority, if not more, than even Google. Um, uh, if you're in travel, think about uh, TripAdvisor um, and, uh, and, and kind of related travel uh, review and listings sites. So think, again, as much about your brand as, uh, as the general directories that are available. If your company has a solid social media presence, is local easy and universal business listings and services like that less important? Uh, no, I, 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 it's not as important for a local business, but it's, it's not unimportant. Um, and really if you, if you can, it's, it's important for a a few reasons. Um, this is actually a good opportunity to talk about, uh, universal search. So, uh, when you, depending on the query that you perform with, with Google, uh, the traditional web results that you see are appearing less, less frequently. And it's, and, and here's the reason why when, when you perform a search on Google, you'll notice on your left rail there that they have different types of searches. You'll have like video search and real time search and images search and the news search and blog search or whatever. It used to be that you would actually have to actively click on those to see those types of results. Well, Google has said, ah, you're going to see those results whether you want to or not. We think it's relevant to your query. Uh, And so for that reason, um, uh, local listings is important to big brands as well as small brands because uh, that's an advantage for you to to appear uh, higher than general web results. So uh, more specifically, let's say that you've, you've done a lot of work on the SEO side, but you can't, you can't rank above fourth or fifth position. Okay. That's great to have, but you know, it, it may be that positions one and two are web results and positions three and four are local results. And then your, your positions, you know, four and five are, are back to web results or whatever. Well, uh, I can kind of, skip skip to the head of the line if I focus on local because that gets me right to positions three and four um, because that's for whatever reason on that specific query that's what Google is prioritizing I'm seeing it I'm seeing it I just I just ran a search for pizza number one Domino's number two Pizza Hut number three Papa John's and then it goes right into uh, local number one Domino's then there's a company called uh, pizza place called Fresh Brothers never heard of it Michael's Pizza Spumoni Pizza Amici Pizza Domino's Pizza Fratelli's Pizza then number five is the Wikipedia entry for, for pizza number six roundtable pizza and of course I can't even see anything else and I've got a huge monitor yeah Little Caesars is on the bottom there right I mean it's amazing you, you, it, you know I've, we've done similar searches retail is a great example yeah, you, you type any query for retail, and I mean, there there's some of these uh, you know multi-channel merchants and, and retailers that are literally spending millions and millions of dollars on on search, whether you know both for paid search and for for SEO, and now you know these local businesses, or uh, let me rephrase that, these businesses that are optimized for local search are appearing ahead of businesses that are spending millions of dollars to appear below those local listings. So that, that's a, 
it's a great example. Pizza is a great example. Uh, lots of curries are example of you know local uh, being prioritized by Google and 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 Bing and other search engines, um, and and that kind of justifying its importance in your in your optimization strategy. You've been listening to uh, part one of a two-part series on mobile web search with uh, mobile web strategist uh, Rich Devine of Zaz. Um, next week, we are going to talk about uh, how to optimize different pages of the same site for different locations, uh, the benefits and drawbacks of mobile sites versus custom apps, and why you should be monetizing more than just e-commerce transactions. Uh, to make sure you don't miss that, uh, com. You can subscribe in iTunes, or you can friend us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter. Uh, Rich Devine, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.